If you love business podcasts, but sometimes you need a break from the serious and instructional tone of most podcasts out there, then you need to check out the Misadventures and Small Business Podcast. Hosted by local business owner Aaron Clark, the Misadventures and Small Business Podcast is a lighthearted show focusing on the fun side of business. Collected from years of experience as a small business owner, Aaron shares funny, entertaining, laugh-out-loud stories that he's personally experienced. The bite-sized episodes are 5 to 15 minutes in length, so you can listen to a full episode on the go, in between meetings, or while you're getting ready in the morning. Listen today on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Local Hustlers Podcast, your go-to source for connecting with small businesses and entrepreneurs in the East Valley. Get ready to be inspired by local entrepreneurs as they share their stories, mindset, best tips, and advice. And now, your co-hosts, Dallin and Eric Huso. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Local Hustlers Podcast. This week, we're super excited to be here with Tony Pham with TKMV Studios. How's it going, Tony? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Excellent. We're good. We're good. Uh, let's take a few minutes before we jump into the business and give us a little bit of a background on your life. So uh, let's kind of start where it kind of throws everybody off. So my last name is Pham, but it's pronounced Pham. It's a Vietnamese last name. But fun fact, I'm not Vietnamese. So a little bit of an origin of how that even started is that I'm actually part Mexican, I'm part black, I'm part Chinese. Uh, And then I have a Vietnamese last name. So that has always been like the precursor to everything, uh, the conversation, even how I connect with people, um, both on a business aspect and then just on like a personal level, because it's always like, oh, how did that happen? So that's become my icebreaker for everything that I've done. And just kind of dive into it a little bit. That my mom was born in China. Uh, her parents were um, Chinese and black. But unfortunately, my mom's mom didn't make it when during childbirth. So she got adopted into Vietnam, hence the last name. Uh-huh. Yeah, so when she, came, when she went to the Philippines and came here to the U.S., she met my dad, who came from Mexico. And that's how I got my Mexican uh, mixture in there. But, I mean, overall, just... That in itself has always been a unique struggle in the minority area because um, I never fit in with like the Asian kids. I never fit in with the Latino kids or even with the black kids. So uh, I was further ostracized for just being more of a minority than most would normally be. So that led into trying to figure out the community I really need to be a part of. So going through high school, college, I really had to try to figure that out. And that ultimately led me to trying to thinking that, you know what, if I'm not going to be part of any community, why don't I just create my own community? So that kind of put me into a journey of just trying to like connecting with people on a more personal level, not even looking at like, you know, what your backgrounds are, your minority, because that has been how I've been classified for so long. So now I use art as a medium to connect with people on a different level, both through storytelling, narration, problem solving. And that's basically what stemmed me into me started my own business and the four letters on my logo represents my family. So I got my mom, which is Twi for T, K for Kristen, M for Marta, and V for Veronica. Um, And they have been the biggest part of my life growing up. Uh, And just going forward, that has been basically the main focus. It's just because we came here, my mom came here to this country, my dad came here to this country hoping for a better future. And things just didn't exactly work out the way they wanted. So taking that and kind of learning quickly, being uh, adapting to what I had to see around me, going to schools, learning English, 
um, trying to bring math homework and English homework to parents that didn't speak English at all was always tricky. So I had to really learn quick. And it was no different with how I do my business and even some of the stuff I go through all the time, which is figuring out what those obstacles are, those challenges, and then how do I adapt and how do I prepare myself for upcoming challenges that I can at least get an idea of what I can expect to come down my way. So did you grow up here in Arizona? Is this where you grew up, went to school? Yep, I grew up in Arizona, um, been all over the place. We, my family finally settled in uh, Chandler. Um, we went, I went to um, an art college, the Art Institute of Phoenix. Um, and after graduating there, I went on to like, this, this journey of just trying to figure out where my career needed to go. Because yeah. when I, well, the way they advertised it was that, you know, you're going to go into the movies, you're going to go and work in VFX, you're going to be in production. But when we graduated, well, only two of us actually got jobs. Um, and we had to really figure out, okay, how do we get into this industry with the limited amount of knowledge that we had? And what really became the problem was that when we graduated, a lot of the info or the information that we were taught were almost five to 10 years behind the actual industry. So not only did we have to figure out how to catch up, but by the time we caught up, the industry already moved forward. So again, problem solving. So that's where I, um, I settled for a job working at a, as a graphic designer for a sign company. And I was there for maybe about nine months and then I found, and then someone reached out to me to be a lead visual designer for like a training facility. And that's where my career really started to pop off. But still, I wasn't in the industry I wanted to be. So I spent the time just kind of learning about what was going on with film, what's going on with animation, how are people doing this, how people sign their contracts. Um, and even meeting with producers has really taught me that, you know, it's not so much being in the industries, but it's also more about the business of the industry. Because a lot of artists, where we end up getting burnt out is trying to be in an industry and then trying to constantly just being in that wheelhouse, constantly yeah. running, running, and running. And then people get burnt out. Um, and that's the issue. So the producers I've been talking to in the past have told me, focus more on the business side. And so that shifted everything. So then I started looking at what's been going on with South Park, stuff with Netflix, all the streaming service wars right now, how everyone's just constantly hungry for content. So that's where my mind has been shifting over to. But, you know, kind of uh, going back all the way around, yes, I was born here in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> your, your story's amazing, Tony. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned that you didn't really fit in with any minority group, and so you decided you would create your own family, your own group. That's a very powerful mindset that you took to really create a different situation other than your imposed environment upon you. How did that mindset fuel kind of the your professional life where, you know, there's a lot of people that will spend a lot of money on a trade school like the art school and then they get out and like you said, wait a minute. It's not how, you know, I thought people were going to be knocking on my door to hire me and, and now I've got no work and, okay, I'll just go back to serving burgers at the restaurant, okay, with this expensive art degree that I have. But your mindset had you create. Like, could you talk a little bit about how that growing up, how you overcoming some of those challenges you had as a kid helped prepare you for the challenges that you would have to create your business? Absolutely. So with that in mind, 
because I was so hungry to be part of something, I always had to try and figure out where to go, how I could fit in. And there was really no real direction for me to really be anywhere. Like I said, a lot of the Latino kids didn't want to be around me. All the Asian kids didn't want to be around me. The black kids didn't want to be around me. So I was already outside of all that circle. But there was still that desire. So if I wanted to be part of something, I had to figure out how to do it. And that's where I started realizing that there's a lot of other kids that were, even though they're, they're not as mixed as I am, they're still ostracized. They're still outcasts. So I started coming up with my own plan. I was like, okay, so let me connect with these kids. We kind of just kind of mingle together. And then we kind of form like our own little community so that we can kind of grow. We can talk and hang out. And then that ultimately led to like the whole business side of it all. So even now, I'm still trying to find like that perfect niche of like business partners, I guess you can say, that I can continuously work with. And it's the same mindset is that I'm always hungry. So I'm looking for a very specific group of people that I can work with exclusively. And that way I can grow because just building that small community for myself has allowed me to turn into who I am now. And it's no different with how I'm going to approach my business model, which is connecting with people that want to make an impact for future generations. So working with nonprofits, working with um, sanctuaries that are all about conservation, um, sustainability, anything like that. Now that's like my community. So now I'm just going out there, I'm either volunteering or I'm reaching out to CEOs or the founders of those nonprofit organizations. Like, hey, you know, I got this idea. I'm on this mission. And I really think that we can work well together. And most of them say, yeah, let's see what we can do. And, you know, fast forward a couple years later, now we're doing projects together. We're signing contracts and, you know, things are finally moving forward. And it's the exact same mindset because of that desire to be part of something, to grow into something has really transitioned from just, just before just finding a group of friends to just now building like networks of businesses and partners and, you know, um, fellow contractors and and it just kind of goes on and on and on so it sounds like you've always had an entrepreneurial mindset about you know finding a problem or, or experiencing a problem and then figuring out a solution and so it started off with something simple of just you know not necessarily fitting in and then going out and creating your own community and now you found a way to kind of convert that in business as well and create a, a community in business um, do you feel like you've always had kind of that entrepreneurial spirit do you have you know family that that also um, have gone the entrepreneurial route or, or where do you think that came from you know I think as fine as this might sound a little funny but I think it came from me wanting to break a lot of stuff as a kid because <laughs> um, I was always curious so it really started off with me wanting to figure out how to work a camera not necessarily in the way how to use it but more like how it actually functioned so I broke a lot of cameras I can tell you my mom was not happy about that uh, but I broke a bunch of those things and I started tweaking around with the wires you know all this little board stuff and as I grew older, my mom left her embroidery job to start her own business. And then I started watching her grow. But again, she was limited because her English wasn't really, you know, wasn't polished. So her communication level wasn't great. So, you know, to send an email for me now of maybe five minutes for her, it took her almost like two hours sure. because she had to figure out the right words and, you know, make sure, making sure it actually flowed. And sometimes she'll call me or my sister to say, hey, you know, can you read this? Does this make sense? So we'll proofread and just go back and forth, back and forth. Sending invoices would take her forever. So 
again, my mind says like, oh, okay, well, it goes back to like breaking a camera, okay? Maybe not so much breaking my mom's invoices or her email system, but like, how do I make that better? How do I, how can I learn from my mom's structure and then take that into something that I can do? And then that kind of just spun off into me doing what I'm doing now. So a lot of the stuff that uh, growing up with playing with Legos, you know, Transformers, a lot of those things where you're really hands-on, just moving pieces around, saying, oh, how does this connect? How does this move? You know, why does it move this way? And then combining that with the fact that my mom was more of an entrepreneur, even though she really struggled trying to figure it out, both of those combined has really just really um, cultivated that mindset for me. So then growing up and then going into school, did you always plan on, you know, owning your own business within the industry that you wanted to be in or, or were you not to that point yet when you started going to school? You know, so I, I get asked that a lot. So when I was a kid, I knew I always wanted to make movies. I always knew it. I just didn't exactly know how to get there. Even now, I'm still not quite there. I'm getting close, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm closer than what I was before. But as a kid, that has always been a dream of mine, to be able to get into the industry, make the movies, you know, do the animations, produce my own content versus working for someone else. Because as I grew older, I realized I don't do very well with authority. Um, so especially, you know, if you got ideas and you want to throw it out and you want to be able to work with your bosses and say, hey, I got this really great idea. I think it really benefit the company. But sometimes it just doesn't go down the right way. And so I thought, you know, points like that, it's better for you to try and experiment on your own and see where that takes you. Maybe that might take you into um, either turn into a short film, feature film, personal project, and who knows, it might even become your own business in the future. But I would say it started off at a very, very early age for me that I've always wanted to do yeah. film. So with school, you, you talked about how after you know getting out in the real world, you realized that everything you learned was kind of five, 10 years behind. So going back, do you regret it? Do you wish you would have found another way to, to learn more about the industry or with, with that particular industry, is it sort of a necessary evil where you have to kind of go through school and, and there's things, specific things that you can pretty much only learn through school? Um, or have you found like other avenues for you know someone else who's wanting to do something similar? Are there other ways they could learn those things so they don't spend all this money, get out of school, and then, and then realize they're 10 years behind? Yes. So for a lot of my friends that know me, I can rant about going to art schools forever. Uh, but I'm not going to get into that. But what I would suggest for newcomers to come in, I would say there are a lot of new op cheaper options, Skillshare, YouTube, um, Pluralsight. You know, there's a lot of artists that were professionals in studios are now producing their own educational content. And a lot of them are significantly cheaper than going to a full-on university. And a lot of them were way more hands-on. So I would recommend a lot of artists, especially new or even some of their more experienced ones, to start checking those out. Because, unfortunately, universities or even colleges, they do have their own unique system. Um, and doesn't always benefit everybody. But I do also understand that for most people, they kind of need that classroom setting. So I right. do understand that. But for people that want to prefer a more cheaper option, something that's more budget-friendly, I would suggest... Definitely starting off with YouTube, figuring out what it is that you want to get into, whether that's film, VFX, sound effects, whatever it is. Start doing some YouTube research and see where that takes you, because a lot of them have all kinds of courses that are significantly cheaper. Um, if you really do need those, that classroom setting, I would highly suggest going to a community college first. Awesome. Thanks for sharing those, uh, those you know, other, other avenues for people. 
Um, so talk to us about, you know, what happened between, you mentioned after college, you got a job at a graphic design place. What else happened between then and, you know, deciding to start your own place with TKMV Studios? Oh boy, that's a big question. Uh, so it was a lot of soul searching, lots and lots of soul searching. Being at the graphic design job, I wasn't happy because it was graphic design. And I just wasn't, I was lost for a good while. And even after leaving the graphic design job for being there for nine months, I thought being at the lead visual design job would have been, you know, would have been it for me. And I realized that now that that was a trap mindset that I put for myself, thinking that this was like the highest I could ever go. And for about two, maybe three years of that, I thought, okay, this can't be it for me. This, I know there's still something more because I can still feel it because that, that same desire I had as a kid is still there. Mm-hmm. So how do I find my way into that? So that's when I really started going to conventions, going to California because California is really big for all that stuff. So I went to conventions, bought magazines, went to like those online courses, started learning and networking with people out there. And then I started hearing their stories and how they did it. Some of those artists... Like I was talking to a guy that um, that hires people at Hasbro's, and he told me that there was a guy that was just working at a like I don't know at a Target, and he would just always go home just cranking out different art pieces. And it got to the point where Hasbro, you know, saw his work and says, "Oh yeah, they reached out to him. They hired him just off the bat." And he has never gone to an art school. And I thought to myself, "Wow, how is that even possible?" So then I started exploring some more and trying to figure out that path and. Again, more networking. Then eventually I found my niche, and that is me doing it, basically mimicking the same structure of how like, they've been uh, doing their practices when they get off of work. So I would go home, I'll spend maybe three or four hours just maybe making a random piece, even if it's good or it's bad, it really didn't matter. As long as I was making something. And, and then I stumbled across someone named Beeple, which I don't know how many people know, but he basically just changed the whole NFT industry was just that one uh, with his 5,000 everyday artworks that was sold. And I was reading about him and basically the same thing. Every day he would go home, whether he was sick, tired, really didn't matter. He would just spend maybe a couple hours and he would just pump something in. Whether it was good or bad, didn't matter. So adopting that and then I realized that, okay, this is something I need to do. So I started practicing more. I started doing more. So that made me think, okay, now I need to connect with other 3D artists out here. So started searching for people like that. So in the course of me trying to figure that out, I started meeting people that worked at U of A. I started meeting people from nonprofits. And then that led into me, oh, okay, I have this entity that's starting to born, like come to life. So let me kind of nurture it. And then what really kicked it off was when I tried to make my first short film, uh, animated short film, and I pumped that out. But that didn't get accepted anywhere. But I told myself it doesn't matter if it doesn't get accepted or if I don't win awards. What matters is that I finished it. And sure enough, that mindset alone, me finishing that short animated short, took me further than I ever thought it could ever go. So going from 2019, finishing that animated short and getting declined, bleeding into 2020, I got connected with U of A. I started getting connected with AZSA. I got connected with Target Mountain Foundation, St. Vincent de Paul. And then going into uh, this year, I started connecting with more nonprofits, other local businesses, and other people that I can talk to, kind of bounce ideas. And even going to film festivals now, where now thinking that submitting a, 
a short film isn't so much my goal. It's more about just meeting the producers that people are more on like the business side of it on how they get it connected. That's really cool. I want to dive into uh, the mindset that you just touched on, on the importance of not necessarily winning anything, but just finishing. Um, do you mind just diving a little more into maybe where you learned that? And number two, why it's so important? Yeah. So honestly, I don't really know where I exactly learned it, but I know that's always been something that I've heard people would do. And I saw it more prominent in Beeple when I heard, when I started reading more about his biography and how he started. And then sure enough, you start after I started hearing a little bit more about how he's done his work and how much he's expanded from it. I started doing a little bit more research on how other artists have done it as well. Maybe not to the extent as he's done it, but they've done it in some capacity. Uh, and the reason why that's so important is that we, a lot of people start stuff, but then we don't always finish it. And that's always an issue because the more you start something and then you don't finish it, the more it builds up on your mindset that you will never, ever finish it. So you have to combat that by always finishing it no matter what. And it really doesn't matter if it's good or if it's bad. What matters is that you just get it done. Now, there are some limitations to it. Obviously, when you do like client work, you do want to make sure it's always the best. But when it comes to your own personal mindset, it's very, very important that you always get it done. Because that translates into everything that you do, even if you don't notice it. And if you're writing a quick little poem or if you're writing a rough draft for a short film, you hit a point where, you know what, there's no reason for me to do this. Why am I even doing this? Then at that point, you just hit your wall, then you just stop. And you have to figure out how to get past that because you don't know where that's going to take you. You might send it to someone and someone might like it. And you just have to revise it a little bit. And then you got yourself a solid content to produce. So you want to finish it and just see where that takes you, whether you put it on social media, where you share it with your friends, your family. Maybe you have like a, a small writing group. It really doesn't matter. Just finish it, share it, get some feedback, and then just start the whole process all over again because you never know where that will take you. I personally am surprised I made it as far as I did, and I tell that to a lot of people. I thought I was just going to be like an average guy just walking down the street, but every day I surprise myself that every time I finish something, I'm just like, wow. This is actually really cool. I can't believe I'm actually doing this. So I encourage other people to do the same thing. Always finish everything that you start, good or bad. Do you find yourself spending more time cleaning your pool than you spend swimming in it? Then you need to get in touch with Flamingo Pools. Flamingo Pools is your go-to swimming pool maintenance and repair company in the East Valley. Whether it's weekly maintenance, repairs, green to cleans, or one-time cleanings, Flamingo Pools is there to take care of you. Here's a few things that makes Flamingo Pools stand out from the crowd. When you first sign up for service, they'll give you a free complimentary inspection of the pool to make sure everything is running smoothly. They'll also email you a service report with a picture attached after every visit so you know when your pool has been cleaned. They also offer a mineral treatment, which will keep your chemical levels down, allowing you to have a healthier bathing experience. At Flamingo Pools, they know that your pool was made to be enjoyed, so let them handle the rest. Check them out at azflamingopools.com or give them a call at 480-422-6013. Mention this podcast and get your first month of weekly maintenance free. That's azflamingopools.com and 480-422-6013. Phenomenal mindset, that finisher's mindset. A great message for young people. If young people are listening right now, uh, just an inspiring message. Tony, did you always have that finisher's mindset or where where and when did you adopt that finisher's mindset? 
Uh, I have to be honest. No, I never really had that. <laughs> uh, I got to give a lot of credit to a guy um, I met when I was working as a lead visual designer named Brian Massinen. This guy, I never liked working out. I've always hated it. I always thought it was a kind of a waste of time. But he told me that you hate it because you don't totally understand like how to really get into like the whole process of it. So he said, let's just get you started to like, about 10, maybe 15 minutes a day. That's it. That's all I ask. It's like, oh, okay, I can do that. So just little increments. So we started doing 10, 15, 20 minutes. And it started gradually getting more and more and more. Then my workouts went into doing like up to an hour. Some of them almost got to like almost an hour and a half. So I was like, oh, wow. And then you start to see the results. You think better. You, you know, your posture is better. Everything just changes in you. And just taking those small increments and then just kind of growing into that started making me think like, oh, now let's, why can't I just do the same thing with the little things that I do? So again, little sketches here, little sketches there, little cues, renders, whatever. And then eventually, you know, months apart, they start to really become full-on projects. And even now, it's the same way. It's just do everything in small amounts. And over time, they grow and grow and grow. And I think that's something that's important because we we always put like the bigger goals ahead of us first when we really should worry about just like the small things and then just work our way up to the bigger challenges. And that way it doesn't seem so daunting. So even before that, I can't believe like I had the mindset like, oh, you know, what, what's the even what's the point of this? Now I'm thinking to myself, wow, I really just held myself back with those kind of mindset. But mm-hmm. start small and then kind of work your way into it. And I thank a lot for Brian, uh, my buddy Eno, who's been hearing me rant about a lot of things, giving me all kinds of guidance about basically just, you know, small battles, small battles, and taking things slow. Don't rush everything. It's just, it's a process. Kind of like enjoy the journey. Yeah. Just to dig into that a, a little bit more from, you know, admitting that you have had experience with that, not always having that finishing mindset. What do you think the biggest thing or, or maybe some of the biggest things that, hold people back or stop them from finishing, whether it's fear or burnout or procrastination, maybe it's, you know, a combination or depending on the person, uh, but just would love to hear, you know, what your experience, what, what's kind of stopped you in the past from, from finishing? Yeah. So I actually learned of uh, imposter syndrome. I never knew what the phrase was, but after hearing it and listening to different podcasting and, you know, people experience it themselves, imposter syndrome. I have gone through that a lot. And that was just really just trying to figure out, okay, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe I can't do that. But you really don't know. You got you to gotta give yourself a chance to even just take a shot and see where that actually takes you. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back because they don't want to get rejected. They don't want to get turned down. They don't want to get basically slapped in the face for saying, yeah, your ideas really aren't that great. And that scares a lot of people. Still scares me to today. Um, and you know, you just got to figure out how to find your way around that either by talking to someone, getting some friends to support you. I know like a couple of my friends have gone like through, um, cycles of friendship because they haven't found someone to really be that supportive person to really channel, you know, the same energy and say, Hey, you know, you can do it. It's the same thing. You want to make sure you find the right community of people to be around. So then you can say, Hey, you know, I got this idea, but I really don't know how to implement this. You got to make sure you're around the right people and say, well, maybe you're feeling this way because of this versus saying, yeah, your ideas aren't great. You want to be around people that can help you grow yeah. versus people who will hold you back. And I was very fortunate to be around the kind of friends I have now that 
are open to hearing my ideas, are open to just sitting with me and, you know, me spewing out my thoughts and putting it onto paper and then going through it. And I think that's really important for a lot of people is that you need to be around those kind of people that are willing to support you because when you hit those moments where you feel like you're not good enough, you can't do it, or the fear really starts to overcome you, you got to be able to have people to talk to to really work through that because doing it on your own is one thing, but if you have a group of people, even a team, to support you on those goals, it will take you so far. Where have you found a team, whether it be family, um, networking with other business owners? What are some tips and advice for people to you know, find a team if they don't already have one? Uh, well, that's a tough one because uh, a lot of the, fr- the friends I have that I talk to about all my ideas, I've all stumbled across them in some of the most strangest ways ever. I don't know if it's something that we will be able to dive into, but like my buddy Eno, I met him when I was invited to go to a Christian party. And just a little contrast between me and him, I'm not a Christian, but he is. And normally whenever I meet someone that's like that, there's always a little bit of friction. But between me and him, I don't know what it was, but we've, we've made, we made a connection. We started working out together, and then that's when our conversation really started to go. And I was lucky because he was always more of like entrepreneurial kind of mindset, but he never wanted to start his own business. He just likes learning about it, just kind of like consulting on that aspect. So I've always talked to him about it just because he has that thought. Uh, going to film festivals are always a great spot because for me, I know I want to be around people that want to make films, want to make movies or anything in that regard. So going to those events has always helped me just connecting with people and eventually I made friends through it. Uh, obviously, you want to be able to trust those people because you want to be able to you know, work in those tight circles. So what I would probably suggest for people or anyone really is that find out what it is that you love. See if there's like networking events for those specific topics or those specific industries and then just go there and you never know. You know, even I made some friends just working at uh, volunteering at nonprofits and we just talk and just say, oh, yeah, you know, I had this crazy idea that, you know, about this crazy flying squirrel, you know, wanting to eat people. And I'm like, oh, I had the same idea. I was like, oh, no way. So let's uh, let's talk and, you know, go over and talk about over coffee. You just never know. I say just be open to people. Keep those doors open. Let the people come into your world. And you'd be surprised the kind of people you'll be able to connect. Because for a while, I kept my doors closed to a lot of people. I didn't want to connect with anybody. But then I realized you really can't go very far with that. Keep those doors open. Let the people come to you. And then you'll be able to kind of like filter through that and see who you can work with and who you can't work with, who you can hang out with and who you can't hang out with. And then just let that grow. Just nurture it and see where that takes you. Love that. Well, now that we've really, you know, dove into your mindset and kind of gotten an idea of, you know, who you are and and what your take is on business and entrepreneurship, let's dive into the business a bit more. So give us a a bit more of of detail into what TKMV Studios is, you know, what your services is and what you guys offer. Yeah. So TKMV Studio right now is very specific on designing educational content for younger generations. So whether that's through illustrations or through visual effects, whether that's like 3D motion graphics or video production. Uh, my focus has always been on education because growing up, I didn't really have that. Uh, again, building that community, growing up, I didn't have that either. So right now, I'm working on different nonprofits and trying to really create and cultivate that type of educational content for kids so then they can figure out, oh, you know, learning is really not that bad. Math isn't so boring. Learning about sustainability isn't so boring. So. It's just taking that type of information that can be so dense and then turning it into something that's fun, that's either fun to read, fun to uh, watch, or whatever it is through music, animations, video, illustration, and all that. 
So are you creating the all the animation and then through these nonprofits you're saying, or is that how you're kind of pushing it out and, and spreading the word and letting people actually receive it and use it? Yes, yeah. So they'll give me uh, like a list of what they're looking for, and I'll basically take it and I'll go through with my team and I'll say, hey, you know, we got this idea. What do you guys think? How can we produce this? Uh, and then we'll go back to the nonprofit and then we'll kind of organize how we want to address the content and then we'll animate it accordingly to what they want. Yeah. And have you found that people, I guess, learn better or, or maybe it's certain people, but that with the 3D animations that it makes it easier for certain people to learn and understand certain subjects? I do. And I say that mainly because we become so visual now. I mean, the statistics now for um, average kid that's on TikTok, Instagram, the attention spans about maybe six seconds, yeah. which is crazy. But that's also a really great opportunity for visual effects artists and motion graphic designers to really take that and realize that, okay, we got this small window that we got to work with. So kids are really, really hungry for this type of visual content. So it's a perfect avenue for nonprofits to really start exploring this with not only social media, but also with like web content, YouTube content, all that stuff. So you mentioned you have a team. Do you have employees that work with you or have you kind of like just connected with other people and other businesses to kind of help you out? What's kind of the structure of your business right now? So right now, I wish I could say they're employees, but no, they're more contractors. So even right now, uh, like I'm working on a project with some historians to design, uh, recreated uh, like a fort for their historic content. So I'll have like some 3D artists and we'll work on that and kind of just go through like the blueprints of everything. And again, with some nonprofits, depending what they're looking for, whether that's animation or film, then I'll kind of cultivate how I want the, either the, the cinematographers or videographers or even like animators, and we'll kind of work together and how all that kind of gets put together. Yeah. So are you creating anything right now, or do you pretty much have people in place that create, you know, no matter what the nonprofit wants, you have someone that's going to then create that for them? Basically, I will have people do that stuff for yeah. me. Uh, because it's just a little tedious mm -hmm. and I know I'm not super great at it myself so having someone that's better than me to do it would be a you know I want not only the content to look good but I also want the nonprofits to be happy with the content they're going to be getting for sure so then what would you say that your role in the business is and if if that's not your strength what's your strength what do you strive at that helps TKMV studio to grow networking I love networking I love being able to just as you know just schedule a meeting be able to talk to people and say, hey, you know, what is it that works for you? What do you, what is the future of the nonprofit? What's the future of the business? I love the conversation. I love as much as, as crazy as it sounds, I actually like setting up like the contracts, the paperwork, and just getting the overall communication. Cause that's, that's just kind of where I fit in the best. I love being an artist, but I also just love being a salesman at the same time. Hmm. What, what does a conversation look like with a nonprofit? How do you, I guess, find them? How do you connect with them? How do you, um, you know, share your pitch of what you have to offer and, and find people that are interested? Yeah, so it actually starts off with an interesting journey. So we're starting off with AZSA, uh, Arizona Sustainability Alliance. I was, I pitched an idea to do a documentary. Oh, they had a documentary, but I just pitched to take it over. So doing that and going through like different small farmers or even uh, like Target Mount Foundation, St. Vincent de Paul, I reached out to them to see if they would be interested in doing like interviews for this documentary. So after going through a, almost like six months process, process of that, they really liked the way I handled everything. So they reached out to me and said, hey, could we do more stuff with you? I was like, oh yeah, of course. 
So doing that and even connecting with other nonprofits by simply just connecting with them at a personal level and saying, hey, you know, I really appreciate your guys' like mission statement. I really believe that I can help you guys in a certain way. So can we really get a conversation going? And then from there, we'll go back and forth a couple emails, and then we'll go ahead and get like a phone call, and then eventually we'll meet in person. That's awesome. So sales, the networking, that's always your favorite part. Is there any part of the business that you maybe don't like as much, something that you're hoping to grow enough where you don't have to worry about that part anymore? Uh, the production side of it yeah. all. Definitely. Because even though uh, I have to still manage a lot of that stuff, and I would love to be able to get to a point where I would have someone that's very specific as like mm -hmm. an art director to handle certain elements of those different contents. So then that way I can just say, hey, you know, this is your thing. Let me just focus on the sales side of it all. Yeah, for sure. You talked about with, with your contractors that you, you pick them so that they do good work and that the nonprofits are happy with the work done. Um, how did you find good contractors in the first place that you can be comfortable and confident using them for all the work and, and knowing that they're going to back up what you say about how what the quality is going to be? Yeah, so going back to the whole community aspect of it all. So I actually started this little thing about three years ago where I actually want to connect with artists that were kind of in the same boat as I was. So basically we'll connect and we'll do some simple projects together and then I'll kind of like say, oh, you know, let's do this, let's try this. So as we will continue to work together over the years and I'll say, oh, wow. So when I have a project for them, then I'll, I'll reach out to them and say, look, you guys have done like some really awesome work. When we were working together on these little projects, just like off the side, can we do something together? Mm -hmm. Or even if I've met some people at the film festivals, we'll connect and say, I'll, I'll have them send me like a demo reel and then we'll just talk and we'll just go from there. Awesome. So talk to us about what the future looks like for TKMV Studio. Oh boy. Well, the future is basically from what I dreamed of as a kid is to get into the industry and producing my own film and animated content. But I know with the fact that there's still a lot, a lot of stepping stones, a lot of experimenting for me to get there. Uh, right now, the main focus is that educational content. But I'm hoping that with some of the, with the experimental projects I have on the side mm -hmm. will take me to that next step into getting into that industry and finally fulfilling the dream I've had as a kid. Yeah. So TKMV Studio is kind of just like a vehicle to get you to, to your end goal of, of getting you know really into the film industry. Um, did it take you a while to accept the fact that you can't get right into that? Because a lot of people, they have their end goal, but they don't necessarily want to do all the things necessary to reach that point. They just try to jump straight from start to finish. Um, but whether we like it or not, a lot of times we have to do things that we don't like to do as much, um, or maybe just things that aren't our passion, aren't our goals to get to where we want to be. So did it take a long time to kind of accept that and accept that you know, this is where you're going to be for a while to get to where you want to be? Um, we'd just love to hear a bit more about you know the thought process there. Oh yeah, it was incredibly frustrating. I was mad every day. <laughs> Uh, but I had to eventually learn to say it's a process. Yeah. It takes time. You know, we got to build up not only the credibility, but we also got to build like the network of people that can support you on this like this bigger project. And it's the same thing. So it's kind of funny thinking back to it now, going back to the whole community aspect. The only way I was able to grow the way I've been growing is by having those supporters every step of the way. Mm -hmm. So adopting that further, I realized that every time I wanted to make that next big leap, I had to have that same network of better people to help support me for that next step. So again, it was frustrating not being able to jump right into it, yeah. but I realized that it's a stepping stone, that 
right now I'm in a really good spot where I'm able to create this type of content that's still important to me and I know it still impact the next generation of kids but it's also a good area for me to start networking with like those different nonprofits and see if they will be interested in being part of this journey into getting to that next step because even when I was a kid trying to go into college and even high school or even middle school you know those were big steps uh, but I was only ever able to be able to be successful in those steps by having the friends and the supporters with me every step of the way. So I'm going to just keep that same momentum, that same mentality, and then eventually I'll get there. Love it. What, is, what does that eventually look like when you do have your own film studio? Is that still TKMV um, or is it going to kind of transition into something else? No, it'll stay TKMV. I want to, that's a family legacy for us yeah. all. And then w what all will you guys do? Will you focus on a specific type of film? Right now you're kind of in like the education side of things. What are you wanting to, to mostly, you know, do and, and, and promote and, and have your niche be? Yeah, so still education. So right now I would like to, I'm working on a few ideas where I want to create like educational content for kids, even though I'm doing that now, but I want to do that on like an animated and a televised level. So whether it might be episodic, something that you might see on PBS, Nickelodeon, Netflix, because right now educational content are really kids, t kids shows are really hot right now, um, especially now with the fact that everyone's home. Um, we're watching stuff on the internet again with TikTok, Instagram. You see stuff like that all over the place. So it's something that I want to use still as my stepping stone into the education and stay within that realm until I'm ready to branch off and to say feature films or maybe sci-fi because you know who doesn't like star wars or star trek mm -hmm. um or even something i'm not really a big fan of horror but you know that might be something to experiment further down the line sweet okay well tony before we get to closing up here is there any advice that you would share with with some entrepreneurs that are listening today yeah uh, i would say don't let the fear get the best of you and if you feel like you're in doubt find someone that believes in you because that's going to be something that's going to be, you might not see value in it right off the bat, but if you're in that moment where you're feeling that amount of self-doubt, definitely find someone that believes in you and have them be there with you every step of the way. Perfect. Love that advice. Okay. Well, as we get closing up here, uh, we have a little quick game we're going to play with you. Oh boy. <laughs> and so how it works is we have a list of 20 questions that we're going to ask you. Okay. And you have a minute to answer as many of them as you can. Okay. I've been kind of practicing for this. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how you do then. And one of the questions is about food. I can't wait to hear what some of your favorite foods are. <laughs> with your background. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, we'll go ahead and get started in three, two, one. Your dream vacation. Uh, Hawaii. First thing you'd buy if you won a million dollars. A tent. Your favorite hobby. Oh, skateboarding. Uh, if there was an Olympic competition for everyday activities, what activity would you have a good chance at winning a medal in? Probably archery. The song you've been jamming to lately? Oh boy, uh, can I say jazz? <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, I'll add a few seconds. If you lived to be 100, would you rather have the mind or the body of your prime self? Uh, the mind. Your favorite holiday? Halloween. Favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, chocolate? Favorite fictional character? Oh, Optimus Prime. Favorite smell? That's a good one. Um, cinnamon. What's your nickname? Tone. Uh, pet peeve. Uh, people smacking their lips. Favorite restaurant? Ooh. Uh, oh boy. Oh, can I just say Vietnamese? Uh, if you could switch places with someone for a day, who would it be? Obama. 
If you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Homemade egg rolls. Oh, and there's our timer. <laughs> so any uh, specific Vietnamese restaurants that you like? Uh, yeah, so there's a, I can never pronounce it, which is a little shameful on me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh, it's on Warner and Dobson, and it's on, I believe, the left-hand side, or yeah, I believe it's on the left-hand side of the Lili Market. I believe it's pronounced Pho Dom. I believe that's how you say it. And if you're going to go there, at first I was kind of hesitant, but mango and sticky rice is the best dessert I've ever had. Really? Yes. It sounds very odd, but it's a fantastic dessert. Yeah, no, it's delicious. Yeah, I can't yeah. I can't have enough of that. Try it out. <laughs> hey, well, Tony, tell us or tell our listeners um, where they can find out more about you, connect with you, and, and follow your jer- journey with TKMV Studios. Yeah, so you guys can find me on Instagram on, uh, I believe it's at TKMV tkmv studio or tkmv underscore studio okay. uh at twitter same thing tkmv underscore studio uh you can find me on my website for all those different links at tkmvstudio.com and that's probably where the best place to connect me uh i do have my own twitch channel which i'm trying to get more into so you guys can kind of connect with me on some of the conversations i have on there but def- definitely go through the website and you can find me everywhere through there awesome mm-hmm. And I know you have a little special offer for our listeners. Do you mind sharing that as well? Yeah. So if you guys have like some kind of content that you want to create that's educational for sure, just please reach out to me. Free consultation. We can get the whole conversation going. I'll make that, guy, make that super easy for you guys. Awesome. That's awesome. And your artwork is amazing. It's stunning. Uh, even those that don't need any uh, educational artwork done like go look at his website it's it's inspiring your art it's it's uh very creative very unique beautiful thank you i really appreciate that awesome and and just with that because i i thought the same thing as i was looking through the website earlier do you i guess get inspiration from one specific type of art that's kind of you know come out in the things that you create you know that's funny you say that with the fact that i've been more involved on education and being more around kids lately Mm -hmm. A lot of the style now just tend just goes more towards like children book illustrations, yeah. and that's kind of where it kind of like just melts my heart a little bit more. Because before I wanted to try and get into comic books, but I could never find like the connection for it. But with the fact that children's book illustrations are basically doing the same thing that I want to do, which is being there for the kids, that's what my art form has really just turned into, just mm-hmm. for the kids. Yeah, love that. Okay, well, Tony, thanks again for coming on. It's uh, it's been fun getting to know you and and hearing all the advice you had to share with us today. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, we'll catch you all next week. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Just a few things before we go. First off, if you or someone you know is an entrepreneur in the East Valley, we'd love to have you on the show. Please get in touch with us by emailing us at localhustlerspodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at localhustlerspodcast. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for the latest news and updates. Also, if you enjoyed the show, please take a few seconds to rate and review and hit that subscribe button. It lets us know how we're doing, it helps us grow so we can reach more locals, entrepreneurs, and help small businesses grow. Thanks, guys.